Hey everybody, this is PJ Riley. Welcome to another edition of the Lancaster Archery Podcast. I am here today with a unique individual, Paul Yeager. He is the owner of Yeager Archery Products. Paul, thanks for being here with us today. You're welcome. So Paul, why don't you tell us what Jaeger Archery Products does? Back in the you know mid-90s, there was a a uh, new technology out there that was called stereolithography. It came out, and these machines were, you know, very large and very expensive and very complicated. And, and uh, you know, uh, some of the machines were between you know two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollar, you know, types of stuff. So stuff you can't really afford, you know, anymore. But or at least you know at the time there. But you know, economies of scale happened. Uh, you know. Uh, patents ran out, that type of thing. So there was a bunch of technology that, that people said, hey, you know, now that the patents are, are, are exhausted, uh, we can start making these things and putting them out for consumer consumption. So, um, you know, I, I kind of lived through that whole, you know, whole evolution of things. And, you know, you know, there were a few things, you know, MakerBot has been, you know, one of those things where the, you know, people have been able to, uh, you know, go for something that they, they drew in their computer and you know, created a, a a part that they can hold in their hand and, and do do you know things with. And wow. you know, I've been doing that for <laughs> for the last couple of couple of decades. But wow. you know, just on a consumer level, that's that's kind of where we're at. So I've been in that in that kind of kind of thing. And I still have a business that actually uh, does custom parts for for things like the medical device industry. Wow. Uh, you know, that type of stuff. So I make you know uh, yokes for flight simulators. You know, wow. lots of different different things that people need just a few of. It's it's you know, injection molding. If you were to go to you know make a you know either cut aluminum or steel, you're talking you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I can get you into tooling for for much much less. Wow. And if you're never going to need more than a few parts, that's kind of the way to go. And so what you're doing is you're scanning these uh, recurve grips. Uh, the bare grips, you're, you're scanning actually the riser uh, with the grips off of them, correct? Um, I kind of, I've, I've done a little bit of both. Over over time here, I mean, I've, I've just gotten the 3D scanning capability uh, fairly lately. I've been working with it for about the last six months and just kind of figuring out, you know, how, how to use the software, how to use the hardware uh, involved. And... You know, now I'm not making such stupid <laughs> errors. <laughs> it's becoming, to, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where I can, you know, I can beg, borrow, and steal if I can get a uh, a grip for a for something that I don't have in my inventory. Uh, you know, somebody can send it to me. I'll go through the scanning process and send them the grip back, and then you know, generally I, you know, cut them a deal on whatever I end up, uh, you know, making as a result of it. So, huh. you know, if I if there's a you know, like uh, you know, something really uh, that I want that, that maybe the European community has access to, maybe, you know, Lancaster doesn't, like uh, like a smart riser, let's say. So, you know, that's kind of a, you know, 25-inch riser that, that they have, you know, made in Europe, and people generally like, actually, I think it's made in Italy. Um, hmm. People generally like the bow, and I've gotten a lot of inquiry on the thing there, when you're going to have a grip for this thing, because what they had is terrible, and and that type of stuff. So I finally got somebody from, you know, that actually bought them. I think they bought one through Alt Services or something like that. And, you know, got it into the States. So I was able to, you know, get hold of one, scan it, uh, you know, 3D print this thing, 
and get a result that I was able to send to that that customer and verify the the fit. So make sure uh. the holes line up. So that's where that's kind of where what the process is. Um, it you know if I have a a uh, scan of the riser itself, uh, that means that I can kind of I can even do a three D print of that section of the riser, and I have you know without owning every bow known to man, I can actually have a physical representation of, yeah. of all the bows. So and so now for the onion uninitiated, including myself, these bows typically come with a grip, but you can do things that maybe those grips, the factory grips, don't. Yeah, I mean, the factory grip, I mean, basically they're trying to, to create something. <laughs> Oftentimes it's an afterthought. It's like, oh, we got to put a grip on this thing here. So they'll, they'll you know, contract with somebody to, you know, cut something out of wood that, you know, fits sort of well, but, you know, maybe not, you know, <laughs> they're glued back together, uh, shaped, uh, you know, stained, that type of thing there. But... You know, they're, they're trying to come up with a geometry that, that just basically doesn't offend people. Um, but, you know, every shooter has kind of a, a different, everybody's got a different hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, not everybody, you know, likes the same thing. And I'm trying to, you know, create a, a performance item. So something, any one of the grips that you can, you can get from me, depending on how you shoot it, will put your hand in, in a position that somebody has indicated gives an advantage, let's say. So ah. focusing the, the pressure at the base of the thumb, um, you know, whether or not you, you want to rotate your hand in the grip, you know, more clockwise, get your, your knuckles more flat, turning your elbow out, getting your shoulder in the right position. All of that is based on grip. Really? So, yeah, um, you know, depending on your, uh, on, on the coaching style, you know, you kind of have to build it up from from the bow out, and that's you know when you interface with it, you know you're either it's it's not possible to actually shoot a bow without causing some sort of torque, and the idea is to make the torque exactly the same every time. Uh huh. So the Brady Ellisons, Jake Kaminsky's, Mackenzie Browns, etc. Their none of their grips are going to be alike. Yeah, they're, they've they've got their own modifications to things. Uh, you know, when I worked on Mackenzie's grip, uh, you know, she sent one that you know she had had uh, built up with Suguru, and and uh, you know she had all of the the pressure points where she wanted them. Um, you know, it, it's it's it was almost a a a casting of her hand for the most part. Um, so you know my what I ended up doing is just kind of softening some of those, those things. When you, when you put your hand up against the Suguru, you get these little, you know, raised ridges and fingerprints yep. and all that kind of stuff. So my, you know, to make something look, you know, nice, you can kind of take some of those ridges off, you take the fingerprints off, you kind of blend some of the, you know, the different, uh, you know, contours and, you know, make it, make it look, you know, not so bad. So you would have taken a scan of that, Using your equipment, and then you made a grip out of out of some other material. Now, some of the Olympic archers, you know, they they want to retain almost every one of those little ridges, that type of thing. There, they're they're more of the the princess and the pea type of thing. There, they are able to to detect small differences wow. in in you know what's happened. So, you know, any any detail that you you might you know figure isn't 
you know, particularly, particularly, you know, important might be the one that they, they rely <laughs> on for indexing. So, you know, in some cases, it, it's going to be one of those, those deals where, you know, some people are less worried about that type of thing and, you know, grip it and rip it. Um, but then there's the people that are, are, you know, they're looking for a specific kind of, kind of thing. They want, you know, you know, left, right, up, down, all those pressures to be the same. And, you know, they're uh, sufficiently capable that they have a backup bow. And, you know, if, if their backup bow isn't exactly like their primary, you know, they're, huh. you know, it can cost points. Yeah. And like we were talking, uh, you can, uh, let's say an archer likes a particular bow, but hates the grip. Coming that, to you can solve that problem. <laughs> that's kind of how this started. I mean, way back in... I think it was 2005. Um, it was a uh, it was a Merlin bow that I had bought that I didn't really like the grip on. It was you know it's, a, you know, it's made in the made in Great Britain and just hated it. And uh, so since I actually already did this this type of thing for a living, you know, I'm a model maker. Um, you know, I, I altered a grip, uh, made it you know very slim line because they, they did more of a a broad grip, you know, for a compound. Yeah. It was like, well, you know, this really isn't what, what compounders are, have come to expect. And, uh, so I made a very slim line light type of thing there. I mean, you know, I put it on my boat, took it to Vegas and, and all of the people that, you know, had, had bought the Merlins, you know, everybody was looking at each other's rig and, <laughs> and they saw mine and they were like, Whoa, where'd you get that? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, I was able to, I mean, I I sold the one off of my bow at the end of <laughs> at the end of, the, end of Vegas, you know, because somebody had to have it, and uh, you know, I made a lot of contacts, and I was like, wow, you know, there's, you know, this is for Merlin. This is like for a, you know, a really not a very mainstream bow for yeah. the most part, uh, you know, and what if what if I did this kind of thing for Hoyt? So I, I kind of started out in the, the compound area. But recurve is kind of where all of the action is, as far as is you know people doing custom grips. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, compound people are looking for as minimal, you know, kind of a sliver type of thing. Yep. Um, and you know, angles are, are are much more important on that one as far as, than than as contours. So. Right. Right. Um, so, do you do you work with compound bows also, or I, I do have a few things. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It, you know, it's hard to, to work in archery without actually running into, running into Hoyt. And, you know, there's a few of them. You know, Hoyt and Matthews are, are very good at, uh, you know, they've kept the things, kept things the same over, over a long period of time. If you look at Matthews, with a few exceptions, um, the same grip goes on, you know, bows, right? You know, dating, dating back to the, you know, the late 80s, uh, all the way to now. So, you know, they didn't change anything. And, you know, you can you can buy other aftermarket you know, ones that you know that have been putting them out for for forever, like Shrewd and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But uh, you know, for people who want something that isn't metal, they don't want you know. Some people don't like the the feeling of metal against their hands. Some people do, right? You know, uh, I've I've heard both sides of the argument that uh, you know when you put your hand into into something, the sweat that you have on your hand is supposed to get you to settle exactly in the same spot each time. Okay. I've seen a lot of people that say, well, you know, I got grip tape around this thing here. I want to put my hand in a very particular spot and, and that's how they want to run that. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. Yeah. And, 
you know, I just kind of fill that that void that, you know, I wish I just had, you know, a little bit different. And that's kind of the, you know, the business model I've built it on. Right. Now, do you, the grips that you make, you make them, is there one particular material or multiple materials? Wood? Uh, uh, some kind well, of... no, I mean, for, for mine, polyurethane is, has been, it. you know, it's, it's a polyurethane uh, resin. It's two-part resin. Gotcha. So, you know, kind of like with your, your, uh, you know, your kneadable molds or epoxies or, or anything mm-hmm. like that, you mix two together and they solidify. Uh, that's that's kind of what this is as well. Um, they, what's kind of nice working with with them is that uh, uh, I can cast them in in you know any thickness, and you're not going to get the distortion you get with with an injection molded part. So I don't have to you know worry about that type of stuff. So you can actually machine this stuff afterwards. So if you order a grip from me and it doesn't have a palm pad on it. Palm pads a different, you know, another <laughs> another thing that that I offer on this, you know. Yeah. But you know, if it's made out of the solid plastic, there you can actually alter these things very easily. It's a very machinable, uh, and it doesn't have a grain, also. So if you really want to, you can you can carefully contour it to to you know satisfy the the shape that you want, and you could you could literally go you know finer and finer sandpaper, and then you know bol- uh, polishing compound and you get a mirror finish on the stuff right right so you know in, in you know i also appeal to some of the fan not fan but the uh uh vanity of shooters there's a sure. lot of people that want to you know have a certain color and uh i developed a way where i was you know kind of messing around in the shop saying well what if i just poured two different colors into this mold at the same time so I mixed up you know two different colors poured them into a funnel goes into the into the mold and i came up with this this the swirled swirled pattern right. which is you know each one of them is a snowflake yep. so you know none of them don't no two of them are exactly the same the color goes all the way through it because it's a, a mixture of it so even if you were to machine some of it off you still have you know you, you're revealing more of the grain so to speak yeah yeah so and so here at lancaster archery we're going to start carrying your grips so what will we be what will we be carrying? Like, there's the cust- there's the pure custom where a single customer comes to you, right. but obviously we yeah, can't yeah. carry that. Right. No. Um. So it would be impractical for you to kind of you know carry you know lots of colors. I mean, that would be you know you'd have to have the rest of this warehouse taken up you know in in, in <laughs> you know you know trying to guess what every customer is going to want so uh, for the most part it's going to be you know a symbiotic relationship you know i'll be working with you to uh, to provide these grips so historically there was a uh, a template that was you know that came off of the old old style hoyt uh recurve so going all the way back to the uh the td4 uh you know gold medalist type of thing there and you know that was kind of a starting point so a lot of other manufacturers kind of took off with it spigarelli actually used to use that template for some of their their older older explorers and stuff like that um Hmm. it it actually came off of uh, a basic uh uh, shape that that earl hoyt came up with as far as that he had a longer one but it was it was basically all the same type of thing when when hoyt and and uh sky split off um but then there were a lot of other manufacturer, manufacturers that, that kind of stayed with that. Uh, but then a few of them started developing their own. So uh, I'll be making, you know, I have 
things available for things going all the way back to that date. So, oh. you know, your Aerotechs, your your uh, Axis, uh, all those 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 historical kinds of risers. Um, but you know, at a certain point, Hoyt kind of wanted to re- you know reinvent what they were doing, and when they came out with the um, uh, with the uh, the Eclipse, the the uh, Helix and Nexus. That was the first generation of this newer style Hoyt grip. You know, it's it's shorter from front to back. It's a little bit more streamlined. Um, you know, it it, uh, it it was just a new benchmark type of thing there, and they've stuck with that that design uh, for quite a while now. Which is, you know, it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> don't don't keep changing it every year. Uh, yeah. I've, ha- I've had a few, you know, a few run-ins with manufacturers, but uh, so I have stuff for Hoyt. Um, uh, Win-win's been pretty good about things. They they recently came out with uh, the the Inomax series, which was a little bit uh, different. They put a, a bushing underneath the, the the grip, which required things to be moved. So that was kind of uh, an orphan for the most part. But uh, the the, you know, the new TFT. Uh, has the uh, the older style CXT grip on it now, so uh, you know. And since Win and Win makes Sebastian flute, a lot of that stuff crosses over. Um, uh, the Spigarelli has has a a pretty consistent uh, single grip that they use. Um, you know, some of the materials that they've chosen <laughs> chosen over the years were you know it, it, it was an example of you know grips are an afterthought. They 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 kind of made. Hmm. Made them sore. They they weren't so much comfortable as just they it had to have one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you know, Spigarelli. I'll I'll cover that type of stuff. I'm starting to you know branch out into. Uh, I've got uh, Fiberbow. I've got uh, uh, Uka is 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 another you know up and coming. Um, you know, Mybo. Um, I'm actually getting some of that stuff, you know, worked out. You know, you know, final stage right right now. Right. So the stuff that that, that Lancaster Archer carries, I've I've got a, a pretty good representation of it. Uh, Fivix, I'm working on right now. I've got a you know I've got a you know one option for that, but I'm hoping to get more options out there. Now I'm listening to you, and obviously this is an application. This is a skill that you have developed. It sounds like in other fields. But I'm guessing archery is something you've been doing for a while. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, all the way from the time I was a kid. Um, I think my first, uh, I think I shot a wing bow when I was very, very young. But uh, yeah, I'm 48, so I'll just kind of, you know, give you my, uh, you know, my vintage there. But uh, I think the first compound bow I owned, I think it was a... Probably about 11, 10 or eleven years old. It was a brown bear. It was that you know when they uh-huh. were coming out with the the, the wooden the wooden risers on a compound bow. <laughs> so I still have that bow. Yeah, what do you shoot in competition, recurve or compound? Uh, recurve. You do shoot recurve. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, I've, I've kind of you know gone gone to that. I, I, there was a, a time uh, shortly after uh, the the eighty eight Olympics when uh, Jay Bars won the uh, won yes. the gold medal. Um, that you know, I was kind of inspired to pick up the the recurve. You know, I picked up a, a T4, you know, the, the gold medalist, and and you know, played around with that for a good amount of time, and took a bit of a hiatus for a while because, well, you know, you start a family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's just not enough time for some, you know, some yeah. types of things. But you know, I got back into it. Uh, you know, was driving around, saw an archery range that that popped up, you know, pretty close to home, and 
and was able to, you know, reconnect with, with all that stuff and, and, you know, just started going back into it. And I, you know, I kind of went back into it in, in compound. Uh, but then, you know, all of this happened. Yeah. Now we were talking earlier. Um, and so you understand when the archer's telling you about how they want a grip to feel. I mean, you may not know exactly what they're talking about, but you understand the, the importance of pressure here versus pressure there. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a little bit of mind reading going on. Certainly. Um, you know, I try to keep up on the latest shooting, uh, you know, coaches, uh, disciplines, you know, the, what, what they want from, you know, a grip for their students, what they're trying to achieve. Um, when coach Lee came on board, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, this huge emphasis on bone alignment. So, you know, that's why he came up with that best style grip, which is, you know, pretty, it's a radical grip. Uh, it forces you to, you know, to put your hand in a certain position. So, you know, your, your knuckles will be flat. Your elbow will be turned out. Your shoulder will be in a certain position. Otherwise you're never going to get it to work. No kidding. So yeah, that's, it's a, I, I kind of describe it as being almost a negative feedback type of, of grip. So if you're not shooting it right, it'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And that's Kizikley, who's the yes. USA archery coach, yep. uh, coaching the, uh, uh, Olympians. Um, so what are the attributes that make a good grip? Well, what should somebody be looking for? You know, as you mentioned, the grip that's in the box probably isn't going to be perfect for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that is the question. And, and, you know, having seen what, what, uh, you know, successful shooters are using, um, it becomes unclear sometimes. I mean, you'll, you'll look at a shooter like John Demmer. He's got, you know, I, I made a grip for him that nobody can understand. It, it's, <laughs> you know, I made it in the colors, obviously, for John Demmer, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's really wide. It's, it's slab-like, it, it, you know, but it, you, you can't deny that, that empirically the guy is, is an amazing shooter and yeah. he gets it to work. So, you know, there's, there's that side of it is like, I'm, I don't know sometimes, uh, <laughs> sometimes, it, but, it, but this you know, stock kind of response here, uh, if you're kind of working it down to the basics, you know, when you, when you're, when you're introducing archery to somebody, um, you know, starting from the, the basics, you want to put the pressure at the base of the thumb. It's going to be your, your most stable, uh, a stable part of your hand. Um, it's going to, you know, it, it's going to support the follow through. It's going to, you know, you're not going to be putting torque on either side of the grip. Um, you know, it allows you to, you know, follow a, a, uh, a shot sequence. So, and here's, here's how I, I put it is if you're worried about your grip, you know, if, if it's something that is bugging you about your grip, you should never have to think about it. I mean, hmm. it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if, if your grip is bothering you, yeah, it's wrong. If, if you can actually get the grip to work each and every time the same each and every time, that's a successful grip. Um, and, and that's kind of where this, this, this custom, semi-custom type of thing and the difference between what a, uh, what a manufacturer will put on their bow and what I can, I can get you is that, um, people have demonstrated 
or, or my grips have demonstrated a consistency uh, to put your hand in a, a, a position that is repeatable. Um, you know, con you know, consistency is, is, a, is a function of, of that. And, I mean, especially for recurve shooting 70 meters, the slightest little yeah. difference. Yep, yep, and that's kind of what I was saying about as far as, you know, the elite shooters, you know, the, the, the Brady Ellisons and, and Kenzie Browns and, and, uh, and all that. Uh, you know, they, they have shot so many shots that, that they know they know what a, they know what a shot feels like. It's, right. it's not a matter of they, they're going through a shot sequence and, and all that. They, they more or less feel their way into, into the you know into the gold. Mm -hmm. So you know they're not thinking about what their grip is. They, they've just made it to where they're not thinking about it anymore. What exactly organically goes into making a grip? How do you do it, and what do you do? Uh, well, you know, having a background as a model maker comes in handy. Um, uh, kind of a, you know, I've, I've filled out questionnaires before. You know, what do you do for for a living? And I, I say I'm a plastic surgeon. Um, <laughs> so what I'll do is, you know, quite often I'll start with with a grip that's you know one of the stock grips. You know, the thing that actually you know came with the bow, uh, since it's already fitted to it. Um, you know, it. It, it already fits, and I can just kind of build onto it. Uh, and the way that I actually make these grips is is pattern driven, meaning that I have to come up with a a physical pattern first. So whatever it is that you know you want to you want to make, you can reproduce if you have a physical pattern. Right. Um, so you know, I, I I do the same thing that that most other people do. I just do it professionally. Uh, you take the you know epoxy putties, uh, you you push them into the places that you want you know want there to be extra material, and then you shave off the stuff where you don't want it. Hmm. Um, all without you know, all with knowing how how much you know distance you have between you know breaking through and and and, not, and having to start all over you know sometimes you take off a little bit too much and areas end up being a little bit too thin and and you end up you know with a with a great shape but it, it it'll crack on you if you if you don't actually you know thicken the whole thing up a little bit so you have to right. keep those those things in mind but um so once i come up with a pattern uh the way i i want it uh i i use a uh, going back into the uh into the uh, 1950s, there's there's always been uh, silicone RTV out there, and model makers use a a uh, a mold making silicone, which come I I order it in, in five gallon buckets type of thing, and uh, you know you mix A and B together, and uh, you you embed the the pattern itself into into clay uh, to make the mold halves. So I'll I'll take the the pattern, embed it, pick out the parting line, you know, so wherever the, uh, uh, you know, the mold is going to come together, uh, I, I try to put those parting lines in a place where, you know, you're not going to feel them. Right. So if you look at, you know, some of the injection molded stuff that comes on, 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 your, uh, on your stock items, you'll actually see a parting line running straight up and down right through the middle of your, your hand. <laughs> and they can't help but do that because they have to pull something off they have to have a straight pull. So, you know, they have a, a machine that's, you know, a tool that's made out of metal. It, it doesn't, you know, you can't flex the thing off of the tool. Uh, since I'm working with a rubber tool, uh, I can put those par parting lines in places where I can hide all of that stuff. 
Huh. Uh, I just put it right along the edges. That way, you can get a you get a nice clean look all the way you know over the entire you know, entire grip. Um, it looks good. I can you know one of the other items that I uh, that I do uh, one of the other options is a uh, a rubber palm pad. I can I can actually cast a bit of rubber into the into the uh, tool first, let it come to a gel, and then pour the hard plastic up against it. What that does is huh. it leaves the the part that comes in contact with your your palm as rubber. So it's not for compression or anything like that. It's just for a little bit of tack. Um, so you know that can also be a different color. You, know, you can come kind of come up with all kinds of different options. What are you seeing today? You you talked a little bit about uh, Coach Kizikley and his style of coaching, uh, and so he has the grip that he recommends or the type of grip. Is there a trend? that you're seeing in archery grips today. Oh yeah, yeah, there's definitely a, a trend moving toward it, it, it's going it, it's adopting some of the 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 principles of that that coach lee grip, you know, the, I call it a best style grip because it supports that style of shooting. Um, you know, has it drifted from that? Eh, yeah, it's it's getting a little bit dated, but you know, there's a lot of people that are still shooting that geometry and they swear by it. Um, you know, it, it kind of forced me to, you know, to look at some things where I made a, a best style 2.0 grip is, is, is another, another kind of grip that I, I made and it, it, uh, it's not quite so, so rigid. It doesn't force you into a certain position, but it does put, you know, the pressure in the right place. It does, you know, slant from a high side to a low side, you know, uh, hmm. you know, that type of thing keeps your hand in position. Uh, I just... Took a you know some of the the meat out of the uh, the heel of the grip so that you you know if you're if you're getting tired and you're shooting you know a lot uh, your your form tends to break down first when when you start healing the bow. There's a there's a grip that I've actually you know, developed uh, with the help of another one of our our uh, USA archery coaches, uh, uh, Coach Mel, Mel Nichols. Sure. Um, you know he was he was working with Mackenzie. And, you know, we got into a conversation. So she sent me a grip. Uh, I, you know, replicated that grip so she could put it on her backup bow. And uh, he said, well, you know, if you can do that, can you do this? So he sent me another grip that he'd kind of been developing for students, um, you know, as a starting point, a good, solid grip. And what this had is it had more of a feature uh, in, the, in the nose, uh, the side of the nose of the grip. Uh, it basically has more of a, a, a guide for your your thumb to to push it a little bit lower. Uh, it also has some relief for for your thumb knuckle. Uh, anybody who shot a lot of, of recurve knows that uh, you know if you if you build up the right side of the grip, if you don't relieve you know make some relief for that, you're going to end up with a with a rub spot right there. So mm. it's kind of built into it. So it's very comfortable. Uh, it it uh, puts your hand into uh, what they're teaching now, uh, from what I understand at, at uh, OTC. Um, that they're they're cocking their thumb a little bit more, so they're they're kind of cocking their thumb out a little bit. So it has a, a detail that puts that thumb in the correct position. Huh. And uh, you know we've actually seen that that grip. Coach Lee actually, uh, I guess, working with Hoyt. Uh, has has, has uh, made that one of the options that you can get uh, stock from Hoyt and in in their uh, I think they're calling it a KSL grip. Um, yeah. You know, I'm also 
I have kind of been doing that one since uh, I've actually had had uh, versions of this for a while, but uh, you know, since the you know the coaches are teaching to this a little bit, it's one of those things where you can kind of uh, you don't have to have you know the coach sit with you and build up that grip. Uh, you can actually you know buy one off the shelf or whatever. Huh. Uh, whatever platform we're talking about uh, before here that archers have this intimate relationship with the grip uh, and their bow. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh yeah, I mean you know if you wanted to kind of you know look at the engineering term ergonomics, basically it's 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 you know inner how how organic how we how we you know interface with things. Um, you know everything has. You know, from a from the design to a buck of a bucket handle to to anything. I mean, you know, you have to have you know you have finger recesses and things like that. So, uh, a bow is a machine. I mean, you know, that's that's all it is. It's 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 meant to do one thing and do it the exact same way over and over again. Now, you know, we're the organic part of that of that equation, and how we interface with it because you know our hand is made out of out of meat. <laughs> and bones and, and things like that. Um, we have to be able to interface with the machine. It, it's it's you know there are hard edges on machines. There are, you know because you know these things are machined out you know out of billets of, of uh, sixty sixty one you know uh, aluminum. So since you have soft parts, they have to you know interface with the uh, you know with that machine and. You know that's where that intimacy comes in. It, it's a matter of getting it to be able to do what you you want it to do. In in and uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to explain that. That uh, everybody kind of wants wants things to fit the way they want it to fit. I think I think that explains <laughs> it. Like you said, John Denmer. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. probably one of, if not the best, barebow archer in the world right now. And if he has a unique grip, you can't say it's the wrong grip because he sure makes it work. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that that has to, has a lot to do also with you know people uh, being told you know that they have to think do things a certain way. Um, you know, that's that's the that shuts down innovation. Um, you know, I've had a lot of you know, I do a lot of thinking outside of the box type of things, and since I'm a model maker, I can I can make models. I've made grips that were really, really weird. I mean, you know, just to see what would happen. Um, you know, looking at Demer's grip, you know, it took me a couple of months here just to figure out what he was trying to do with it. And uh, I, I've kind of been, you know, whittling it down to its essential parts, and I, I come up with something that, you know, that I'll probably uh, you know, put out there. I have it on my personal bow right now. I'm, I'm shooting pretty successfully with it. How about that? So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that you can get, you know, <laughs> you don't have to have any special coaching. You don't have to have any anything. You just have to be able to look at things critically and say, well, if I did this, this will be the result. Um, that's part of the, the, the great adventure of, of, of this sport is that you're in control, um, you know, how you interface with your bow is is completely up to you. You can build it up, you can whittle it down, uh, you can make you know, you can tune it out however you want to do it. Uh, you know, it's all up to you. Um, 
and if it looks funny, but you can get it to work, I mean, you know, when, when you're when you have the medal and it looks funny, who cares? <laughs> yeah. You won. So, you know, it, it's just you, you, anything new in archery. There's there's a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Jim Belcher from Sky Archery uh, and Belcher Bows there has has said that the, that nothing new has come come about in archery in in the last 600 years everybody everything's been tried at this point uh, one person or another has thought of that before and you know i i i, I, I can see where he's coming from uh-huh. you know everybody who's who's shot seriously has thought about shooting and you know taken you know altered their bow in some way or you know, made a little bit more of a recurve in certain areas. I mean, that's that's the whole development of archery right there. I mean, you know, making things happen the way you want it to happen, the most efficient way, yeah. the most repeatable way, the most accurate way. The you know, it, it's 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 the poor man's NASCAR. Okay, you, <laughs> you get yourself a you know a, a machine. And you you make that machine do what you, do what you want it to do. I mean, you're not spending a half a million dollars on parts, <laughs> but you're you know you're spending certainly up to a you know a couple thousand dollars on parts. Uh, but you're all getting you're getting all of those things to work in symphony, and uh, you know grips are part of that kind of thing. So I, I think it's an important part of the thing. You know you can you can have the the best sight bar in the world. You can have you know all of the the uh, you know, stabilizers and and uh, vibration suppression and uh, you know, limbs made out of unobtainium and, and that kind of thing. But if you, if you can't interface with the thing the same way each and every time, you're not going to achieve success. I mean, you know, it's not about who spends the most on their bow. It's about who hits the center each and every time. So, I mean, you mentioned that there's been nothing. Your friend said there's nothing new in archery in 600 years. But certainly today, technology is different than it was 600 years ago. How is that? Yeah, uh, he would also say that you know materials are are the thing that are that are making the difference right now. Um, you know, you we can go look at look at the history books and people with longbows were you know in in cedar shafts were shooting amazing scores back then. It's like, well, apparently, if you don't have television, you've got to do something, you know, to, to take up all your spare time. <laughs> Apparently, they were shooting. Um, but yeah, becoming familiar with your stuff. But you know, technology has, has definitely uh, allowed us to have a a uh, a whole bunch of, of new materials to play with. You know, carbon fiber just you know in and of itself is you know it's coming down in price. People are figuring out how to use it use it in things. I mean, you know, what what have we seen with like the quattro limbs at this point? Uh, you know. Uh, Everybody's now working with the you know with with biased carbon now, so you get you have these limbs that are really hard to twist. Um, so you know these types of things are are things that nobody ever had before, um, but are certainly you know giving an advantage and giving the you know uh, uh, you know that we're we're actually starting to see. I think uh, our store our scores starting to, to creep up, you know, over a. Uh, a long period of time so we're you know just in the amount of i don't know the last decade or so you know we're starting to see uh scores even in like like a recurve now i mean isn't the the world record was recently broken for a uh 600 rounds or something like that and i think it was twice yeah i don't remember which 
Yeah. Was, who was first, but it was Brady Ellison and the yeah. guy from Korea. Yeah. One so. broke it and the other one broke it a week later. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, when will be the first, you know, I don't know, when will be the first time that we see a, a you know, 330X at, at, at Vegas turned in in a, in a recurve archery? I mean, the guy that reaches that, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, where can you go from there? Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and some of the amazing scores. I mean, you know, shooting over 290 puts you in the Olympian category. At least, you know, that's the right. that's the uh, you know the way they they've run that forever. And you know, 290 is not an unusual score anymore. Um, it, you know, it's pretty amazing. And I think a lot of that has to do with with uh, you know metal risers, uh, you know, carbon fiber, you know, types of things. There's a lot of of you know, capability out there, potential uh, for applying you know technology to to this sport, and I think there's there's just you know you know we're looking at like nanofibers and things like that. I mean, you know how how hard will it be to you know to put that kind of thing into into it, and you know will, will we have really good limbs that have you know the highest amount of efficiencies? Um, it, you know we're 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 honing that down. I mean. It, 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 but saying that, I mean, as far as technology is concerned, they're, they're, the biggest component is, is going to be the human element. We're not machines. I mean, a, a good point is that, you know, you kind of think of, uh, you know, people that shoot really good scores as, you know, oh, that guy's a machine or that gal's a machine. And, right. you know, you look at the Korean team and you say, wow, those people are machines. They're not machines. They, they just do this day in, day out. Yeah. Um, and... If you do something enough, you're no longer aiming. I mean, those guys don't even aim anymore. You know, they know what their sight picture looks like. Yep. And, and, you know, when I was kind of alluding to the, you know, the, the idea that, you know, way back when people were, were turning in pretty tremendous scores using cedar shafts and longbows, you know, that's the case. I mean, you know, we're coming back to that human element. But, yeah, you know, I think that once we, we get that, you know, that juxtaposition, that that you know overlap, where you know the the shooter is is able to put in the the uh, the amount of time required to you know to shoot effortlessly, and you know I'm just guessing that there's going to be somebody out there that that has the right stuff between his ears, you know, to figure it out. It's not going to feel the you know the the competitive squeeze, uh, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, you know. These, these guys are, you know, they've got their head in the right spot and they don't feel pressure, you know, or at least they don't show it yeah. uh, at a certain level. I mean, you know, I, you know, whenever I shoot in a competition there, I mean, you know, I've shot a, you know, quite a few over the years and, and my heart's still pounding that first practice run on, <laughs> on the line. I'm not sure why. I ask myself that question all the time. It's like, why? I've been here, you know, how many times? But you know, then you look at you know Brady, and he's just like he's he's shot in you know thousands of tournaments, and and you know it, it becomes something you become used to. Yeah. So uh, you know that kind of pressure and stuff. So the stuff between the ears is going to be pretty important. But uh, you know, on top of the technology, I think we're going to see you know some pretty amazing scores you know being you know, happening in the future. And the, on the compound side, Jesse Broadwater just shot a perfect round at uh, NFA indoors. And watching the video of it, like you said, I mean, he looked as cool as a cucumber out there. And then afterwards, he showed his hand to the camera that he was shaking. But 
when he was on the line, I, he, he looked like he always does. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a good friend that was, he was the best practice shooter I've ever seen, and he just you know when he would get into competition, I mean he he could he couldn't miss in practice, and uh, yeah, and, and you know when it came to, it came time to to compete, I mean, you know, he would, he would blow it on the last end of the last, <laughs> you know, arrow. I mean, yeah, I, it, it had happened multiple times. He was a great shooter, but just couldn't, couldn't cope with it in some <laughs> way. Um, but yeah, Jesse, well, if you ever watch him, watch him shoot, I mean, he was half asleep anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I've been, I've watched him, you know, when I came in, uh, and started you know, competing again, like in 2005. And you know, Jesse would, had just kind of come on the scene in, in that in that uh, era. And you know, yeah, he, he hasn't changed much in his demeanor. He just shoots the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he kind of has that relaxed, good old boy kind of thing there. Type, total type. You know, I, I don't <laughs> want to type him or anything like that. But he's just just very relaxed all the time. Yeah. So that's I, I think that's just so important. You know, the the high strung people there tend to you know, freak out about it. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, shooting is one thing. You know, it, it's when you get on the line there, you know, it's, it's so hard to shoot. You know, what you're doing is is when you get into competition, you get into the mindset of, of not shooting a bad arrow. Yeah, right. And that messes you up every time. Yep. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Well, Paul, we certainly appreciate your time today. Thanks for being here. Well, you're quite welcome. And uh, people who want to find out more about your grips, where can they do that? Um, well, online is the best way to go. Uh, it's jaegerarchery.com. It's J-A-G-E-R archery, one word, uh, dot com. So um, the website is, is it's, it's fairly full. It's got you know a lot of, of, of good information. Uh, it's got all the pricing, all the options, bells and whistles that you can put on these things. So... Uh, if you have any other questions, uh, there are links on there for, for reaching me by email. Um, there's not a phone number on there because if I answered everybody's questions all day long, I'd never get anything <laughs> done. So don't get frustrated with me if I don't you know, want to talk to you on the phone. Um, sorry. It's just, I, 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 you know, I don't want to fall into that, that I get nothing done all day because you know, I've been working with customers. It's not that I don't want to... <laughs> Gotcha. Um, anybody out there, if you have any questions for us or any comments for us, please send us emails at podcast at LancasterArchery.com. Uh, and if you have any other questions about anything, you can always check us out online at LancasterArchery.com.